Hello, I'm Jacqueline Hellier. Welcome to the Tantric Land where we talk sex, science and spirituality. And with me as always is my wonderful co-host, Xavier Watercane. Hello, Xavier. Good morning. Yes, yes. Because of a time difference between here in the United States, it happens to be morning here in Australia. Yes, we're doing it. Shut up. We're doing it a little bit earlier than we normally do. It's a bit of a pre-record here. So, but what we're going to talk about today is magic and mystique and the magic of mystique because that's something that seems to be missing rather considerably in our sexuality. And magic and mystique is certainly something that our wonderful sponsors Lalo are into Mm. and later on we'll be featuring yet another one of their wonderful products. Produits du semaine. Yes. So um, stay tuned for that. Mm. Okay, mystique. Well... What is mystique? What is mystique? Well, mystique is an air of mystery, of something that's a little bit unknown, but something that has some draw, some power over you. I don't mean that in a negative way. I don't mean a dominant way, but something like, ooh, ooh, that's, that's rather interesting, or ooh, what's that about? And can you hear in the tone of my ooh that there's something in me that's being lifted a little bit? Yes, your oohs are always very eloquent. Um, what I've, this is really a program about also rediscovering the mystery in, in sexuality. Very much because so. Because in so many ways, um, the mystery of sexuality is a little bit gone in our modern techno-industrial world where sex is, so to speak, shoved down our throats all the time whether we like it or not. Yes, and I think it's important that we make the difference between um, ignorance and mystery, so in the past, there was a lot of ignorance around around sex, so people kind of didn't really know what they were doing. And then we, when society decided it was permissible to talk about sex, we sort of went into overboard and it all got terribly, you know, exciting. But it seems to have gone rather too far. Yes, I mean, if you do have sexual repression, you're automatically going to have mystery because mm. nobody knows what the hell they're doing mm. or what, what anything is on about. So you have Victorian prudery that leads to all sorts of endless titillation because, oh, oh, she showed an ankle. Yes, and, and, I can see a piano leg. Uh, uh, yes. Oh, no, let's cover the piano leg. In fact, let's not use leg, let's use limb yes. <laughs> because leg is much too mm. erotic. Yes, but we don't have that now. No, we've just got this this kind of blatant porn and everything's bigger than everything. Like women are all getting their breasts pumped up so they look like uber breasts and, you know, everyone's got to be uber this and everyone's taking all their hair off. And, you know, I mean, there's an element of that's just people's choice. Of course, I'm not saying people need to be au natural, but... It's like everywhere you look, there's sex, 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 and people become numb to it. When we were preparing for this program, we had a discussion about one of your clients Mm. who was actually a catwalk model. Yes. Who wasn't interested in sex. Now that you obviously you think catwalk models, Mm. not interested in sex. Mm. How could beautiful women who were Mm. universally desired by men Mm. almost and (laughs) desired by quite a few women? Yes. Um could not be interested in sex. How did that happen for her? Yeah, well, it was interesting when she and her husband presented because she said, you know, she realised after we had some sessions that sex was just so kind of blatant there in her in her industry. Like everyone walked around naked and when you're surrounded by the world's most beautiful women wandering around naked and, yeah, everything was commodified, it was all about their appearance and stuff, 
there, there was actually, there was no mystery. There was kind of nothing left for her to kind of delve into and, and find arousal in because it was just, it was just kind of all there. And she, was, she would have been a relatively young woman. Yeah, yeah. Because often people think about boredom in sexuality as being something that happens long-term in a relationship, that Mm. couples who are together for years, decades, Mm. will eventually become bored with each other. Mm. And a lot of that boredom stems from the absence of mystique, the absence of mystery. Yeah, well, I mean, I see a lot of younger people um, come to see me, the ones who've really bought into this, oh, you know, raunch culture, you know, I can fuck like a porn star type thing, who who seem to lose se- interest in sex really quite early on. I, th- I mean, I think there's more there, I think it's more than just the lack of mystique. I think it's partly that they're traumatising themselves and forcing themselves to do things that they don't really want to do. Um, but I do believe that there's also this element of like, well, when you've done it all, and there's nothing to hide or to discover, well, well, what's left? Let's talk a little bit about discovery mm. because in the early part of a relationship, a lot of it is about discovery. Yes, yes. People often have the misguided impression that what's so wonderful when you meet someone and fall in love is the fact that there's so much about you that's the same because you keep finding out, oh, yes, you like the same movies as me and, oh, yes, you love the same food as me and, oh, you know, and you have this sense of of oneness and it's all fantastic. But what people don't realise is what's really titillating them, what's really getting them so excited and getting all those happy hormones flowing is the discovery of the other person. It's not what you discover, it's the process of the discovery. So what you discover is actually less important in many ways <laughs> yes. than simply the process, process. of discovery. Yes. The process of discovery in itself is sexy. Yes. It gets the dopamines flowing and from dopamine comes all the other positive hormones, right? So right back at the beginning when you said to me, what's mystery? And I said, it's the unknown. It's the, ooh, yeah. It's like, mm. I don't quite know, but I really want to know. And I'm enjoying this process of finding out and I'm feeling elevated and the dopamine is flowing in my brain. Yes. Mm. that's what keeps someone interested in another person. Given that the discovery is a beautiful time in a relationship Mm. and then obviously that's going to affect people's sex life, oh, yes, they're also discovering each other's bodies. Absolutely. And that's a wonderful thing too. And then people get, you know, they think it's the same old, same old body and they can't see that there's anything new in it. Oh. In the beginning, it's all about, oh, look, this, this finger that I've never explored before, this, <laughs> this elbow, all oh, those kneecaps. <laughs> and all, so all the smells and all of the other sensations, the sound mm. of breathing, the feeling mm-hmm. of the heartbeat next mm-hmm. to you, all of that sort of delicious stuff that mm. people are exploring and it's all new mm. and fresh and, yes. and like beautifully cut flowers that are given to you in the beginning, <laughs> they eventually, it eventually sort of wilts. Mm. But even if it doesn't wilt, mm. familiarity does breed contempt. It does. And with it, a passing of sexual desire because Mm. sexual desire to a great extent often requires novelty. Well, it does. And because we have this sort of very sort of blatant view of sex, a lot of people believe that, well, if I'm bored and I think need something new, well, then I must need either a new person or to do something completely new and different. So if you're fixated on the body, Mm. then you're going to be looking for 
changes in the body or or changes or, in the action of what you're doing and, exactly so yep. most so most people when they fi- think that they're bored in the relationship if mm. they're focused on the body mm. which is the absolute opposite to the tantric approach which yes. focuses on the whole being yes not the only mind the and body spirit. the mind and spirit the soul blah 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 yeah, yeah yeah you know the rest well we've been talking about the, that a lot lately yes exactly so when so the, they'll think that the solution to that is to try new stuff get into all sorts of kinky stuff in an in some desperate increasingly yep. desperate desire to rekindle this flame and mm. if that fails they'll start looking for other bodies yes yes and the trouble with that is they're looking at the gross as in the big whereas what we've been talking about is about finding the subtle and mystique is fairly subtle mystery is subtle it brings to mind um another couple who i was working with and, and he presented saying you know, she's such a prude, you know, she just doesn't like sex, she doesn't do this, blah, 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 even though I might add they had sex every single day and had had sex every single day of the 20 years they'd been married, the only couple I've ever come across who've done that. But she was a prude. Yes, and his proof that she was a prude, um, apart from the fact that she didn't like waking up in the morning and immediately giving him a head job, um, she found it distasteful but still did it anyway. Anyway, getting distracted here. Um but he said, you know, she doesn't even like going to the toilet in front of me. And I responded with, ooh, why would she want to do that? And he looked at me with complete puzzlement as though, what are you talking about? Why wouldn't you who clearly is not approved because you're a sex therapist? And he goes, what do you mean? You know, shouldn't she want to go to the toilet in front of me? You know, a married couple. And I said, where's the mystique in that? And he's very puzzled. Because the idea of mystique was new to him? Yeah. I said, how on earth are you going to find another person sexually attractive if you're watching them go to the toilet? I said, I could not find someone sexually attractive if I observed them going to the toilet or if they'd observed me going to the toilet. Just before we continue, we Mm. should make a point, though, that there are going to be people listening to this who are turned on by that sort of thing, and that's perfectly okay. Yes, there's but, a difference between enacting your, your eroticism and thinking that, that sharing absolutely every single aspect of your being is a necessary part of being a couple. Do you think that that was his problem, that he felt that they should share everything, including every bodily fluid? Mm. Yes, that was, yes. So you get this idea that, you know, two become one, and if two become one, therefore that one should be comfortable with whatever that one does what this leads me to an idea what there is the the paradox of intimacy Mm. i remember reading a story once it was really really good affected me for quite a while as stories seldom do because i'm so jaded but (laughs) this particular story was about a science fiction story in which two um people were able to know each other so intimately through Mm. some technology that they could step into each other's minds and know each other totally. Mm. It destroyed their relationship. Absolutely. Because there was nothing left to discover. Mm. It wasn't that they stopped loving each other. Mm. It was just simply that in two becoming one, in in desiring that huge melding intimacy, they became as familiar to each other as they were to themselves. Yes, and, and you can't desire something unless it's other. Now, that was a really important point. Let's hear it again. You can't desire something unless it's other. So there is a point about 
the alien being Well, something that's not you. Something that isn't you. I can't desire my hand. I've got it. I can't. (laughs) Unless you're hopelessly narcissistic. Oh, well, yes. Yes. But that aside. Yes. I mean, I can't, like, desire this computer that's in front of me here because I've already got it. (laughs) I can enjoy it, sure, but that's different from reaching out and yearning for something. And I can enjoy my computer in a sense because it still has new and wonderful functions. <laughs> that you're waiting to explore. Yes. And there's an element of me that's very, you know, happy and grateful that I've got my computer and lovely computer and stuff. But that doesn't, that side of it, that gratitude side isn't what elevates me. That's more the yin. You know, I talk about how you yes. have to have yin and then you yes. need some yang to elevate you. You know, the gratitude and the companionship and all that that you have in your partner. And that's, come and comfort. That's all important. And comfort. Yes. That's all important because it makes you feel, you know, safe and relaxed and blah, blah, blah. But you need more than that because that in itself is not arousing and it's not, it doesn't lift you. It doesn't make you go, ooh. <laughs> so it's not just a matter of familiarity breeding contempt. Mm. Comfort is not sexy. No, no, there's a wonderful um, American sex therapist called Esther Perel who wrote this great book called Mating in Captivity, Balancing the Domestic and the Erotic. And this is one of the things that every long-term couple has to deal with, the fact that all those lovely elements of domesticity, which make people feel, you know, comfortable and loved and supported and, you know, companionship and all that, actually mitigates against the erotic, which, as we're discussing here, requires a sense of you know, newness and difference and ooh, ooh. <laughs> and as I've mentioned, I think, on this program many times before, the way so many modern people live their lives, where they go for it all day long, they're busy working, busy with the kids, whatever, eat dinner, collapse in front of television for a few hours, then fall into bed late at night and there's no desire, particularly not on her part. There might be a bit on his if he's got, you know, the good testosterone flowing. But it's kind of like, well, no, like there's nothing there. <laughs> so there is a place in relationships for boundaries. Like, mm. you mm. know, I don't find going to the toilet sexy in itself and if you want to watch, well, that might be okay, but it just really doesn't do it for me. No. This is different from the idea that it might that people might be ashamed of natural bodily functions. Mm, yes, it's not about that. I mean... Everybody out there goes to the toilet. Mm. Everybody out there eats, Mm. we assume. Mm. It's not that you're ashamed of going to the toilet any more than you're ashamed of eating. It's Mm. simply that there's a time and a place for Mm. everything. Mm. And out of context, it's not going to help the relationship. Yeah, well, think about it like a meal. As you know, I'm always making food analogies. When you prepare a meal, there's always a lot of scraps and mess and rubbish left to one side in creating the meal. When you present the meal, all you put on the table is the nice part, the the actual meal itself. You don't put all the rubbish on the table as well. You don't sort of say to everybody, hey, look, I've cooked this great meal, but, hey, we've got to really, we've got to enjoy all the scraps as well. Yes, we've got all the potato peelings and all the bones and all the... (laughs) We know that there's potato peelings and stuff and that's fine. You know, no one's ashamed of the fact that there's potato peelings. It's just that that would detract from the experience of eating the meal if you had all of that on the table there with you. Yes. and one and That's not sexy. It's not tasty. Yes, and once you've eaten the plate, you want the plate removed and you don't want, you don't want to yes. have to look at the dirty cutlery. Yes, everyone will know that if you're at a restaurant, once you've finished the meal, if the waiting staff take too long to take the, the, the empty plate away, you're kind of sitting there with something that's a bit like, you know, it's just a bit, bit grotty. It's not as much. Take it away. 
And then the two of you can lean together and it's all beautiful again. And all of this, again, mm. in, its, in its applicability to sex, mm-hmm. is that sex is also a peak moment. You prepare for it, but you don't necessarily want to see all the preparation. No. Nor do you want to have to necessarily deal with it. Dealing with the aftermath may not be all that sexy either. It's not that much aftermath. And if you well, I don't know, the- doing the laundry, washing the sheets, whatever. Do you know what I mean? Oh, well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. But there's a, again, banality of everyday life is not in itself particularly sexy either. No, it's not sexy. But, you know, it has to be done and it's great if you've got a partner to do that with and you can share that and that's respectful and supportive and all those sorts of, you know, lovely and, things. And, again, that's the trap, the great trap of the long-term relationship, mm. the, the banality of life gets yes. in the way of mystique. It does. It does. And, you know, the, there's so much of the banality that needs to be done, so much of the domesticity that, that creating and focusing on the mystique is something that you actually do need to focus on. Will... And we'll talk a little bit more about this subject mm. after the break. Welcome back to the Tantric Lounge, as usual, sponsored by our wonderful sponsors, Lalo. Lalo.com is their website, and you can feel free to surf the web and find Lalo.com, even as you are listening to this show, either live or on podcast. Um, Lalo has these wonderful intimate apparel products as well as all these wonderful devices to add a bit of spice and mystique. Mystique, mystique yes, <laughs> to your sex life. And, of course, mystique is the subject of our show today. And Jacqueline? Yes, Xavier? One of the things about mystique mm. is that it requires you to be interested in the other person. It I mean, does. it does. I mean, that's really what desire is. Desire is just a hyped, you know, interest mm. on steroids. Yeah. One of the things that makes people interesting is when they are unknown. Mm-hmm. And that's even how interesting you are to yourself. True, yes. So a person who, I mean, some people like living the same day, every day of their lives for 50, 60 years, that seems to work for them. That's a lot fine. of people require a little bit more variety than that. Yes, and I suspect our listeners would probably fall in the latter category. It would be true to say then that in order to help kindle mystique that might be flagging in a relationship, mm. that it's important to do some work on yourself. Oh, gosh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely fundamental. Because unless you're being interesting and doing interesting things, how can you present to your partner? What's, that, what's, what's, what's new to discover? What's new for them to discover about you if there's nothing new happening? Because, because people, need to, people need to take an interest, but they have to have to, there has to be something to be interested in in the first place. Absolutely. That's why it's so important that couples go and do things on their own or together. You start a new hobby either on your own or together, then you'll be off doing new and exciting things, which makes all the dopamine flow anyway and so you're releasing happy hormones from that so when you come back to your partner you're uplifted already and they'll see that and they'll pick up on that or if it's something that you're doing together you know (laughs) you're doing it together it's fun it's interesting you've got things to talk about you've got things to plan for you both take up scuba diving as a hobby then it just adds this whole dimension of of interest in your life which in itself is it's not to do with sex scuba diving is not Having sex, obviously. No, but, but it, the flow and it isn't necessarily sexy unless it's, you've got a clinging, wet 
blouse <laughs> sensuously curving yes. around there. But even if, yes, only, sorry, but... <laughs> even if it's only one of you who takes up scuba diving, you know, and is having fun and it's all whatever, and assuming that the other person is also enjoying their life, it's not going to work if one person's resentful that one's got that the other one's got. Good point. Yes. Both both parties should be having an interesting life on their own. Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't have to. And that's the other thing. You don't have to like the same things all the time. This this whole myth, the fairy tale myth of two becoming one, which means, well, we must like the same things. All of them. I was talking to a client yesterday who um, was having trouble getting a girlfriend because he's got all these crazy ideas about, you know, relationships and what, what is appealing in a man, even though he's highly great catch. He just thinks that he's not. Anyway, but I remember as he was leaving, he was saying, okay, I'm going to call this new girl. He goes, but I don't think it's going to work because she's into touch football. I said, and? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he goes, I'm not sporty. I, don't, I wouldn't want to play touch football. I'm like, what the, what's that got to do with the price of cheese? Just because she likes doing that doesn't mean that you have to like doing it as well. And he looked really puzzled. And he goes, but, you know, doesn't. And I'm like, she can go and play touch football while you go for your run or you read a book and you'll come back together. I said, if it turns out that she's super into sports and everything, well, then, yes, maybe it's not going to work because you're not aligned enough. But if she just likes playing touch football because that's her fitness thing, absolutely no problems there at all. Once again, it's this idea that a lot, this this idea that you're introducing now about alignment, there Mm. are people that are so off the planet for you that nothing is ever going to happen. Yeah. At the same time, somebody doesn't have to like everything that you like or agree with everything that you believe or everything that you think about something in order for Mm. it to work. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I mean, so many people, it's interesting, I often see singles who have their, their checklist about the kind of person that they're looking for and they need someone who ticks all the boxes. But the one that they actually fall for and fall in love with is someone who's quite different to all of those boxes. And you know why? Because they're new and interesting. And if they meet Mr. Ticks All the Boxes, it's kind of like, oh, well. You're meeting another version of yourself. Well, yeah. And you, you, well, what's new there? You're just meeting someone who you've already created in your mind and who's already there. It's not, it's not, it's not particularly sexy. And because so much of sex is about feeling good about the other person, it really mm. doesn't matter what you're feeling good about. The mm. fact that you're feeling good about them is going to make them more sexy to you. Yes. It's going to make you want to be with them more often. Mm. Particularly in an intimate way. Particularly in an intimate way. There's also, there's also um, the problem of urgency in sex. Some people have very high, 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 high sex drives mm. and they try to get everything happening very quickly and then it happens, which I guess is fine. Yeah, they've had this place. They've had their sexual sneeze, so to speak, <laughs> the, this uncontrollable urge that has needed to happen. Mm. That's not particularly filled with mystique either. No, well, that just becomes like a bodily function. It is a bit like going to the toilet. Or having the sneeze. Or sneezing or blowing your nose. Or, we, I, yeah, it's just brushing your hair. But at least it gets it out of the way. Yes. So you can create a space after that in which mystique can happen. Well, yes, you could. You could, yeah, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with kind of having a good shag to release the stress hormone, you know, get rid of the stress and then going, ah, hello, 
if that works for you and your partner. But it doesn't always have to be. The point is that there are many paths to mystery mm. and mystique. Yes, and you need to find what works for you. Because this is a pre-record, mm. um, we have actually gathered emails mm-hmm. and from clients and mm-hmm. interested listeners beforehand that mm. have led to the inspiration of this program. Yes. We've got them now, so mm-hmm. gonna, I'm going to read them and mm-hmm. maybe you can come up with responses. Okay, Chrissy, I love to make love with some of my clothes on déshabillés, that means unclothed in French, as the French put it. It's so much more erotic to be partly clad than completely revealed, at least from the start. Mm. This partial claddedness. Yes. What's yes. all that about? Well, it's exactly what we're talking about. It's the mystery. It's the slow reveal. It's about not having everything blatantly there in front of you. And, you know, I talk to people and they say that when I talk, ask how they have sex, they go, oh, well, you know, we take our clothes off and get into bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just so functional, right? And sometimes I say to people, so do you slowly take your clothes off while your partner watches you or do you allow your partner to remove your clothes while he or she kisses every revealed part of your body as they do it? And they're kind of like, no, we just take our clothes off. Yeah. And it's like, so here we are like two naked bodies who we've seen already, you know, 5,000 times and what are we going to do? Oh, yeah, I know you like to be touched there and then we'll go in and, you know, it's kind of a few minutes later it's all over and you're just like, oh. Why yeah. did we even let's bother? Go to, let's just go to sleep now. Mm. Yeah, but that is if you're not lying, staring at the ceiling, wondering where it all went wrong and why you're feeling not really all that happy. It's almost not that I would ever go back to the Victorian days of prudery, but it's mm. almost as if we've lost something there because... Oh, it's gone from one extreme to another. And neither of them are no. sexy. If you cover up too much, then there's not enough to... There's no mystique. There's not enough trigger of the mystique. But if you go the other way and it's just all revealed, then that's not very, that's not very appealing either. And, and it's really quite lovely to be partially clothed while having sex. It's also very useful, I might add, if you have children. I know when my children were little, I rarely had sex with my fully clothed because you never knew when the children might I mean, burst fully in. Fully unclothed. Fully unclothed, yeah. So if you have a lovely robot, then it's quite easy just to go, oh, Yes, darling. <laughs> Good tip for parents. It's fantastic and it is sexier. You know, it kind of takes you back to, you know, when you're a teenager or something, you're making it and you've got all your clothes on and you've got to somehow how manage it and so forth. And can I also add that you're also adding this element of texture and so forth. So, you know, the, the silkiness of your robe, if that's what it is, you know, can feel really nice against your body and you can use that as well to add new and unexpected you know, sensations. So it's not just, you know, skin on skin's great and you can get some skin on skin, but it doesn't have to be just that. There is a lot to be said for that approach. So mm. there's one tip already that couples can do. Just simply yeah. don't automatically jump into bed naked. Yeah. Or if you do, like, enjoy the taking off of the clothes. It's such a wonderful part. It can be such a wonderful part of the foreplay, how you actually get un- undressed whether it's fully undressed or partly undressed. Julia. Mm. 
Yes, what does Julia have to say to us I today? Keep, I'm, just, I'm just a little bit stunned by the question. I keep telling my husband that mm. his belching and farting and leaving the bathroom door open turns me off, disgusts me even. He says I'm prissy, but oversharing is way not sexy. Mm. Yes. I mean, how many times have I heard this from women? And from some men. It's not sexy. And I think this is also another difference between you know, male and female sexual sexuality and how we get aroused. And for a lot of men who do have that strong testosterone rush, doesn't take very much. Just the thought of sex and their partner being there next to them is enough. For some men. Yeah. Yeah. For lots of men. But for most women, <laughs> because desire is contextual, and, and because arousal is, you know, this cascade of biochemical events in the body that can be cut off at any one point. Yes, like a series of dominoes falling yeah. where one could just so yes. easily be out of place and the whole yeah. thing just doesn't work. Yes. So, you know, even if you're having a nice evening, everything's going very well and you're getting on, then you go and just, you know, piss in front of her in the toilet. Or pick your nose. And it's just kind of like, <laughs> bang, back to square one again. And it's got nothing to do with her being prissy or prudish or anything it's just that hey the desire you know the mystique that oh what are we moving towards has gone speaking of which ramona says i'm not a prude mm. but i think that sometimes I, I feel uncomfortable having my clothes off completely mm-hmm. i also feel that for a woman herself she feels somehow safer not being so exposed and therefore freer to be expressive and that is also sexy ah yes Yes. Now, that is actually a really good point, which I would agree with. Like this idea that we have that, you know, you've got to like let it all out and expose everything is not very safe. So that will keep a woman in her head whenever a woman or a man for that matter, because men have all these anxieties around sex as well. Whenever someone's in their head, then they're not going to be free to really enjoy themselves. So if you, whether it's keeping some of the clothes on or or, or taking it more slowly or focusing on the lead-up, that actually gives you space in which to, you know, to feel safe, to be yourself. So, yes, if you, rather than, you know, wearing really revealing clothes and being quite sort of out there slutty, kind, oh, I shouldn't use that term, nothing wrong with being a slut, but that more sleazy kind of way of dressing and appearing doesn't give a woman that safety. Yeah, I mean, I'm coming. it comes to mind some... Muslim women I've spoken to who, you know, cover their hair and, and dress very modestly, a lot of them will say that they feel more feminine and more more powerful when they're covered up like that rather than, you know, all exposed and having people looking at them all over the place and, you know, their tits might fall out and, and things like that and that their lovemaking is actually more erotic because of it. Yes, in spite of the a lot of perceptions in Western culture that the Muslims are all prudes. In mm. fact, they actually have a very, very strong erotic culture. Yes. They just don't believe that it should always be on the shop front mm. yes. all the time. Yeah, and a lot of the women are fully on board with all of that, not necessarily the ones that completely cover themselves up so it's all you know, this black sack. It's not that necessarily, but it's about dressing modestly and that gives the woman power and, and respect from her partner and then when they do make love and you know they take off the headscarf and the hair just cascades down it reminds me of a really erotic story I wrote I read once um that was written back you know 100 more 150 years ago or something um where the person who was writing the story was saying that 
because, um, you know, they wore the, the stays and the corsets and all that sort of thing, that by the time they got to bed at the end of the day and slowly took all of their clothes off and then finally undid the corset, and there was this great escape of musky odour, <laughs> which they found incredibly sexual and sensual in those days. Yeah, and it was just like this final last reveal and it was just the whole thing, the whole leader was just so erotic. So it would create a, an automatically charged moment filled with mystique. Yes, yes. You know, and then those days, and how many cultures have there, have there been where small things, getting back to that subtlety, where that small thing is considered very arousing and erotic. In Japan, it was the nape of the neck and the women would have their kimonos hanging in such a way that they exposed just a small amount of the nape of their neck and that's what the men focused on. That became the, the object of beauty and desire and so forth. Yes, in, in China it was ankles mm. or something like that. Yeah, and a lot of the West it has been the décolletage or the cleavage or, or something around there, but it hasn't always been this, you know, get your melons out sort of a thing. So to speak. Yeah. <laughs> And, and there was, you know, more, more of a subtle thing. So it didn't matter if the breasts in question weren't large and pneumatic. Or oh, and bouncy. Yeah. It was just the fact that, that they were there and there was this subtle alluding to it rather than what it is these days where, you know, everything's on display and everything's got to be perfect and, you know, women are just so worried about their bodies and how they look all and the time. Anthropologists often observe that in cultures where breasts are exposed all the time, they're not particularly seen as sexy. Mm. which I think is really interesting. Well, yeah, and I think that's part of the problem here because everything's so exposed now, it's not sexy. So rather than doing the opposite and pulling back and looking for subtlety and mystique, people are thinking, oh, we must, ha we must need more of it. We must need more of it. And that's why the porn gets more blatant and more extreme and, you know, women go for bigger breast sizes. Any, all the plastic surgeons will tell you that the size of the breast augmentation that women are going for is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Again, in this deluded this effort to make things more interesting by focusing yes. on the body, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. We will look at specific strategies after the break about how to re give mystique back into the relationship so that you mm. don't have to have your breasts augmented and you don't have to go and play around and have affairs because you can find mm. everything within the relationship if that is what you want. You can rediscover it in your own life mm. yes. after the break. Yes, let us do that. Hello, it's Jacqueline Hellier here with Xavier Watercane with the third and final part of today's show, which is on the magic of mystique. So, Xavier, what is our objet de semaine? Yes, our object of the week from our wonderful sponsors, Lalo, which you, you can find on lalo.com, is the Intima Silk Blindfold. The Silk Blindfold for a Kiss of Mystery. Well, they've got good copywriters, haven't they? The kiss <laughs> of Mystery. Like so many Lalo products, it's made of the highest quality materials and it's as beautifully tailored and stitched. It's not just a handkerchief. That's made of silk. It's no, not just a silk scarf. It. It's very, it's very sculpted. It obviously has a, a reinforced interior. Yes, and I like the fact that it's actually got a band around the back, so it's not going to slip off. And it feels good. Yes, the trouble, the trouble with a lot of silk blindfolds is they're so slippery they can fall off. Mm. This has actually got elasticized back. Mm. 
And so you can, so it is extremely comfortable mm. and it does its job. It does actually blindfold you quite effectively. You'd have to really cheat <laughs> to stick it up to, to be able to look out of this. And it comes in three beautiful colors, a deep scarlet red, mm. an absolute black, and a color that I can only describe as royal purple. Royal purple, yes. I rather like the royal purple. The, yes, the color of spirituality. Yes, so depending on whether you're feeling spiritual or right out there or kind of dark, kind of, kind of dark and kinky, <laughs> um, you can possibly get one for each mood. Mm. You could indeed. Have you ever... Have you ever um, I suppose that's one thing that people can do. Mm. Uh, they don't have to have just one. They can each have a blindfold on. And oh yes, because a oh, lot absolutely of, yes. Oh look, what? you're getting very excited. I am getting about excited. It. It's, it's so lovely. Yeah, we always think that you know one person has the blindfold on, and that the one who has the blindfold is the receiver. Yes, the submissive one. Or yes, you know, receiving the touch or whatever. But when you both have blindfolds on, then it can get rather interesting. Crash bang. <laughs> <laughs> You have to be able to laugh. Like if you've never tried feeding each other chocolate mousse while both being blindfolded, <laughs> it can get kind of messy, but then you can always lick it off afterwards. Yes, and, and of course, the Lelo products are fully washable. So, yes. <laughs> so have a look at the um, Intima but even if you blindfold on the yeah, lelo.com uh, website. <laughs> yes, but even, you know, I'm just thinking like part of this whole mystique and mystery, one of the things is to be able to constantly rediscover your partner's body and you regularly. Yes. And if you were to touch your partner, let's say play some nice music and, and just like just for two or three songs, all I'm going to do is touch you. But you wear the blindfold. You, the toucher, wears the blindfold, right, mm -hmm. as you're touching your partner's body. It's amazing how different the experience is when you can't actually see their body it adds another level of of of, of reveal and understanding and yeah it's just another thing that you can do to to add a bit of mystique and mystery did um i have heard a comment once that um especially from young men nowadays mm. they think that all of these girls with very short skirts that reveal a lot of bottom yes. or whatever it is is actually unsexy yes they would actually prefer yeah. girls would would wear longer mm. skirts or even mm. trousers just so that it yeah. isn't always out there all the time yeah like um some i talk i even talked to my son about this and some of his mates and they're like oh you know it's good eye candy but they've actually said to me they wouldn't want to go out with a girl like that or they wouldn't want their own girlfriend to be like that and not be, not through some kind of possessive thing, but just because it's actually not that sexy. And this idea that, you know, men, you know, want this kind of completely out there sort of look is not necessarily, is not necessarily true. We have, we've got a few more questions mm. here. Um, okay. My wife and I would probably be called nudists. We'd love to hang out in the nude at home, but we've got a great connection. I think it's because we love life and are so active. There's never a dull moment. I find her endlessly attractive, even 25 years on. And when you're nude a lot, you can't hide the body changes. In fact, I have to say that I think seeing her body change over time is another example of a constant change and discovery mm. that we all need. Mm. I'd like to think that she's the same about me. <laughs> I have to ask her when she's had the chance to listen to some of our podcasts. <laughs> yes. So what I'm saying here, I'm not saying don't be nude, right? Because some people love being nude. That's fine. In fact, as, um, what's his name? Liam. Liam. Liam was just saying is that 
he actually sees that as a type of discovery because, you know, he can always see his wife's body anew and as they age and so forth, it's all new and exciting. So I'd say that for for he and his wife, a lot of the newness and the discovery is is more of a mental thing, yeah? So they were doing new and exciting things and so they're constantly interested in each other. Very much about not focusing on just the body in order to, yeah. to keep the mystique yeah. happening. Yeah, I was just thinking about my parents, actually, who are far from nudists, in this, well into their 70s now, and they're just so active. You know, they're active in their minds, they're doing Oh, good, things. I don't have to imagine your parents nude. That's good. <laughs> and they actually complain about how boring most of, most of their peers and people of their age are. Um, but and I know they have a good relationship, and yes, they do still have sex. Because um, <laughs> I know I'm, I have to say that I'm no, I'm a sex therapist, but I don't need to hear about your love life. <laughs> you're my parents for Christ's sake. But boundaries, yeah, people, boundaries. They've been they've been married for nearly fifty one years, but they do interesting things on their own and together, and you know, just keeps things fresh and interesting. Covering up. Mm. Physically, yes, just, just physically, yes. Um, can doesn't have to be very elaborate either. Some people find having sunglasses on sexy. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why sunglasses are so sexy because that there is the element of mystique there. Like you don't know what's going on behind the glasses. You, you don't can't. know where the eyes are looking. Yes, sometimes you, you don't even know what the eyes look like. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And if you can't see someone's eyes, you really don't quite know what they're thinking. And here's a point about, from Tamara, my, um, who's obviously been traumatised by an overly permissive childhood. My parents were absolute hippies, letting it all hang out, always wandering around la- naked, talking about sex all the time, never closing the bathroom door. My mother would even leave, leave oh, God, do I have to read this? Leave <laughs> used sanitary pads unwrapped in the bathroom. It was so gross, I'm surprised I grew up with any interest in sex at all. They probably all considered me a prude, but my love life is full of that mystique mm-hmm. that we all want. And my... Husband and I have been together for six years and have twin toddlers. I see enough bodily functions with them. I certainly don't need to see it from my lover. Yes. Yes, good point. Absolutely. What can couples or even singles do to keep the mystery alive or to rekindle mystique when it's lost? Well, I think it's important that people realise what they as an individual need. Okay, so just as we've had some quite different examples here in the questions where some people are happy being nude all the time and others aren't, if being nude all the time works for you and doesn't make you get complacent and uninterested in your partner... Or bored. Or bored, great. Um, I I think I may have mentioned before on this program a couple I had where we were sharing, I was getting them to share the things that make them go, hmm, or which is similar to our... You know, the ooh we've been talking about today, yeah, the, the mm-hmm. things that, the that lift them and make them desire their other person. And she said that she found the fact that he walked around naked all the time a turn off, which he was really surprised about because he thought he was being really sexy and that him wandering around naked all the time would have been a turn on. So, you know, he was quite a mature young man and didn't take personal offence at the fact that she didn't like him. I mean, she likes his body, but she, she said she prefers a slow reveal. She liked him having his shirt off because he had a very attractive chest, or she felt it was anyway, but she didn't need the whole thing. Mm. Reminds me of a couple I knew mm. who um, often well, walked around um, naked with each other all the time. They never had sex. Mm. It, it can be that extreme. Oh, yes. 
Yeah, well, there's certainly plenty of people who aren't having any or at least not very much sex. I, um, I was interviewed uh, last year, I think, sometime with a newspaper, their home, home section, because there's been a bit of a trend to having open bathrooms in a bedroom. And, in fact, I have that myself. Off my beautiful bedroom is an open bathroom. But I can assure you that the toilet is not open. And uh, when I was being interviewed by this journalist, she was sort of saying, you know, what do you think about the idea of having an open toilet? Because some of these open bathrooms have open toilets, which kind of open onto the bedroom. And I said, really, really bad idea. Really bad idea. For exactly this reason. And, And it's not just watching someone go to the toilet. There's also sounds and you know, let's face it, smells. There is a good point there that people need to think long term about the mystique. If you are mm. going, if you are at the beginning of a relationship, or mm. even if you're in the early stages of a relationship, maybe in the first few years, mm. even the way that you design your living environment mm. is going to have an impact on mystique. Yes, absolutely, it will. If you have a chance to design your house, so you know, even the separating out the children's living areas from the parents' living areas. That makes a huge difference. I can't tell you what a difference it is for couples because I've had worked with couples who've either moved houses or, you know, redone it. And I know from my own experience, because the house I live in now has a separate parents' area, it's far away from the children, that just knowing that they're not on the other side of the wall, that you have some privacy, adds an element of mystique as well. And we were talking about housekeeping earlier and about the Mm-hmm. banality of everyday living mm. another thing that's terribly unsexy this is this is a, this is a great point for the women out there mm. leaving your underwear and dirty socks on the floor yes. if women mm. i suggest that if you want your men because it's usually men at fault although there are not few, always or not, there are a few really messy women as well but yes. let's assume whatever whoever it is just tell them Okay, feel free to leave your dirty underpants and socks all over the floor all the time. However, just let me share with you that I find that completely unsexy and a total turn-off. Maybe that'll get them putting things in the laundry basket. Well, hopefully it will, as long as the recipient of that information doesn't take it personally or or go on the attack. Because as we've seen, even just from the questions, some of the cases I've shared today, some people will go on their tack and they'll say, oh, you're a prude, what's wrong with you? Yeah, or that shouldn't matter. How many people say that shouldn't matter? What is the reply to or, that shouldn't matter? you should matter? love me anyway. What's the reply to you should love me anyway, that shouldn't matter? Well, well it just I, does. <laughs> it just does. It just does. There's all sorts of things in life that we might prefer were otherwise. But, you know, hey, we should be able to eat, eat our food without having to cook it. But we have to cook it. We just do, and it takes time and preparation. Um, Otherwise, it's not palatable. Mm. You try eating a raw potato. Well, I have. I quite like them. Anyway, yeah, you are so weird. What else can What else can couples do? What about game playing, role playing, pretending to be somebody else? Well, that can add to it as well. Like for some people to completely take themselves out of their everyday life can add a spark that might otherwise have been missing. You know, so you can go so far as to, you know, you hire a hotel room and one of you goes in there and waits while the other one turns up as the paid escort. You even sort of dress as though you were the escort, knock on the door, and this applies whether it's male or female in that role, and hello, you 
called for a service. There is there from. is a movie, and I've forgotten what it's called. Where mm. the main plot was a, was that the couple maintained the mystique in their lives, and I don't mm-hmm. necessarily recommend that people go this far mm. by periodically pretending to be strangers meeting for the first time. <laughs> yes, yes, you can do that. They would just they would arrange. Look, I'm going to yep. be at this restaurant at this time, yes. and we'll play the scenario and. And, and they and they do, they would meet on a bus or on a train or in a restaurant or whatever mm-hmm. or in a park and they would pretend to be different people, <laughs> which I think is extremely imaginative. Yeah. And if you're a good actor, you could pull it off mm-hmm. and it could be a lot of fun. Yes. But, you know, you can do something like that even being yourselves. How? Like you just imagine that this is the first time you've met each other. Like you're on your first date being yourselves. Oh, hi. Hi, Xavier. Hi, how are you? Blah 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 blah. Yeah. The the the, I that's a very that's a very interesting approach mm. because people often say, oh, it isn't like the way it used to be the first time or the early mm. time and all mm. that sort of stuff. Mm. Well, it can be because you can recreate that in your head. In fact, that's a very tantric approach, mm-hmm. an imaginative tantric approach to. Mm. Yes. Well, part of the whole tantric approach, as we've been talking about with divinity of late as well, is that you actually embody or cathect the divine in yourself and in your partner. And when you do that, you know, you see them in their best light and it's wonderful. You know, it's really attractive. Yes, because when you see, yes, because if you're, if you're doing that exercise that we talked about in the other program about mm. seeing the divinity within them, you're mm. seeing them with new eyes. You are revealing yep. something new and mm. automatically the paradox of seeing something new is that it mm. highlights the mystique that is there. Yes. And I'd also like to stress to people the importance of subtlety which is another topic we keep going on and on about, that, you know, when I was talking about the sex and non-sex a couple of shows ago, which is about using the tantric approach of using pleasure, using desire, but without being attached to it. And this is the paradox and where we've gone so wrong in the West is that, you know, we want more. Like we get something and it becomes, we become accustomed to it, so we want more, so we look for more, we want bigger, we want harder, faster, more extreme, rather than doing the opposite. Doing less. And finding it in in the subtlety, the slowing down, yeah, like spending some time touching your partner with a velvet glove (laughs) because that's something that you've never done before as opposed to silk or something coarse, getting a fork and just stroking your your partner's body all over with a fork. You don't have to spend tens of thousands of dollars installing a dungeon in your basement. No. It's amazing what you can do with different thicknesses of paper, right? Yes. You get normal size paper, you know, just a normal printing paper. You get, you know, a business card, something thicker, and you stroke that all over your partner's body. It's it's incredible what you can get just around. And you're focusing on subtlety and discovering different things and waking your body up to subtle sensation stroke your partner with a tissue yes a kleenex yes and maybe do it in the garden instead of in the bedroom or something you don't have to spend a lot of money going places to do these sorts of things as well you just have to be a little bit more imaginative about the way that you Mm. rediscover and rekindle mystery and mystery is often just in revealing new things about yourselves yep 
We've come to the end of another fascinating program, even if we do say so ourselves. This has been a really interesting exploration. I've been enjoying today's program. I love doing this show. can't believe an hour's gone already. It has. Any. Thing we, should we reveal? You see, we, we didn't reveal what we were going to do next week and we talked about mystery. So Yes, wasn't that mysterious? Wasn't that this? mysterious in itself? Let's keep up the mystery Let's and not reveal up. what the next week's one's going to be about either. Oh, <laughs> we're going to keep you hanging, listeners. Oh, and don't you just want us because of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll make you wait for it. <laughs> All right, so until then, focus on mystery and mystique in your own relationship and see what you can do about that.